It was summer vacations. The book was there on the table, facing upside down, as if it's tired of showing its face and not being picked up by anyone. Then I picked it up, and the first thing I laid my eyes on was the word extraordinary written in bold black letters. And this was me, a young boy who only knows books to be textbook and novels are a thing for elder people. Then I flipped the conspicuous looking book to reveal its front page. On the cover page, there was this boy, maybe some three or four years younger than me, who is flying his kite, or at least trying to. The book was entitled The Kite Runner, and the boy me, or let's say the child me, thought that maybe this boy has to run for miles and run tirelessly to fly his kite high, higher than everyone. This took me down to memory lane and I remember my feeble attempts to fly my own kite, which ended up me with having a despondent face for the rest of the day. But I didn't finish the book though. I could not articulate the prospect of reading the entire of this bulky looking book which wasn't even my textbook and which was not meant to take a year to finish it. So I have this thought that if I ever get a time machine, I'll travel back to that time and tell that naive me, don't be skeptical about things when you haven't even started it. Mountains can be climbed, but the mountains of thoughts are impregnable. Hello everyone, welcome to the very first episode of Books Talk, where I am your lively host, Vikas Regmi. We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. Medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. Those two years back, my life was as lifeless as the machines I was surrounded with. Then gradually, I started surrounding myself with books. And with every book read, felt like an ounce of breath was being added to my system to bring me back to life. And that's when I realized that is what books do to you, basically. They make you feel alive. Before starting to this topic, I just quickly want to say why I'm doing this. For a very long time, I wanted to listen to a podcast that talks about books and that talks about books in my way. And I found none. And as Tony Morrison said, write the book when you want to read. And that's what I'm doing, starting my own podcast. Why? Why listen to this podcast after the thousands of podcasts available? I think we're familiar with the phrase, given the time, only an atheist can turn into a true believer of God. And I've been through that road. My journey 
is a journey of becoming a voracious reader from a non-reader. I want to talk about how book reading can change your life, as it has changed mine for good. When we talk about changing life through books and literature, the very first image that comes to my mind is that of a Kabul-born writer who at a very young age of 15 had to apply for political asylum in the US, where he later became the citizen. He described this experience as a very alienating one. He did not even ing speak English when he, when he first arrived at the US. I think that is the problem with most of the immigrants who live in a country other than their homeland. They become nameless, they become faceless, and they become ruthless. But one should not forget where they belong and always trace back their roots. After practicing medicine for 10 years and becoming best-selling artist for three books, it was then he started giving back to his homeland. Together with UNHCR, he has transformed lives of millions of Afghans and given them the right of pursuit of happiness. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Khalid Husseini and his book, A Thousand Splendid Sons. I think a summary of this book is not needed as it has been summarized by many others and it's pointless to even try reviewing this book. But what I want to do is to talk about the most beautiful aspect of this book. When I was the guide runner, it gave me a slight glimpse of Afghanistan during the Soviet invasion, a glimpse of torture, a glimpse of cruelty, separation and radical change. But something was missing. Uh, it was all in a male perspective, and I thought even women suffered during that time, and even more so. As we hear the tales of torture and torment women faced in Afghanistan, how they are treated as mere objects rather than another human being. So when I saw the book A Thousand Splendid Sun, on top of its cover it was written from the author of Kite Runner, and when I saw a lady walking on top of a hill, chasing the last light of a dying sun. I told myself that it's a story of hope, it's a story of triumph, of all the Afghan women who survived. And for the rest of the episode, I want you to keep the image of the yin and yang at the back of your mind. And by the end of this episode, I assure you it will have a meaning. In this novel, unlike uh, the guide runner, Hussein has given a female voice, or let's say, a female perspective to Afghanistan at the time of crisis. The time period is roughly when the Soviet invasion is about to end and during the uprising of Taliban. The book revolves around uh, two characters, Mariam and Leila, which are also the center character of this book. 
Talking about Mariam, she is an illegitimate child, born out of wedlock. She is not loved by her mother, at least not in a sense when we generalize mother's love, and she is also not wanted by her father. She lived her early life in the hills of Gultaman, which is far from the city. She experienced love only in the pages of Quran, and when she was 15 years old, she was forcefully married to Rashid who was an abusive husband. She was tortured, she was tormented every day and more so when she could not give birth to the son who Rashid desperately wanted. So let's keep Mariam in the yin part of the yin yang image. On the other hand, there is Layla. She was born and raised in the city of Kabul. She even went to school. She was absolutely loved by her father. And she was also loved by her mother. And she also had a man towards whom she could turn to when life did not go in a way it should go. So basically, she had everything Mariam could only dream about. So back to the yin yang image again, and let's put Lela in the yang part of the image. The stars do not remain aligned forever. Suddenly, the ground lurched beneath her feet. This perfect little world of Layla was burned and torn down to ashes when a missile hit her house, which not only killed her parents, but killed all her aspirations. A bird's wings were cut down. Then she became like every other Afghan woman. She started living in a country without a place called home. Even though she survived, the survivors killed killed her every day. Every day, she contemplates over the thought that it should have been her. It really should have been her inside the house when it exploded. Surprisingly, it was Rashid who dug her up from the heap of the ruins, like it was his last hope for ever being called Abbajan. She was then looked after by Mariam and Rashid. But, but Layla was a bright girl. She was soon to realize that, given the present situation, surviving is the only way of living. So, presented with this opportunity, she agreed to marry Rashid. This, this added another shade of darkness in Mariam's life. She lost the one thing which she could say was only hers, her husband. During the initial phase, Mariam and Leila were like a, the same pole of a magnet, which repelled each other at every sight. The closer they get, uh, greater was the repulsive force. However, when placed under the influence of a larger magnetic field, even the magnetic domains can change their orientation to reverse their poles. And that was exactly what happened when uh, one night Leila saved Mariam from one of the Rashid's outburst and saved her face from being a pummel. This force was even intensified when Layla gave birth to Ajiza. Now Layla and Mariam had become inseparable. They started doing the house chores together. They even looked after Aziza together. Before Aziza, love had never been declared to Mariam so gullilessly and so unreservedly 
Mariam felt a special connection with that little creature. Maybe Mariam found the baby girl she wanted to give birth to. Or maybe she found a reflection of herself of being a little Harami. Just as some birds aren't meant to be caged, Leila's wings were just too big to be held in Rashid's cage. She wanted to fly high and beyond together with Aziza and Mariam. They did take off, but the flight turned out to be disastrous as they got caught. At that time, it was against the law to travel without a male companion. The law might have spared them, but for Rashid, it was treachery and unforgivable sin. Rashid made sure that they learned their lesson and they learned it good. So he locked them in separate rooms. Not only they were deprived of daylight, they didn't even see the sight of food and water for days. Death would have been merciful than living at such. After begging for days, only then they were let out but never forgiven. After this, Leila and Maryam both became the same for Rashid. The birth of uh, Ajiza proved to be the small path of young in, in the life of Maryam. And uh, the act of being married to Rashid proved to be that small piece of darkness in the young part of Layla's life. So uh, to su summarize it, it's a yin-yang basically, the life. And I think this is one of the messages Husseini wanted to convey through this book, that life won't always be good and bright as we hope to be. There will certainly be days where there will be total darkness and during that time only a small ray of light will seem to be powerful enough to overcome the darkness. And life is a mixture of day and night. So until now I tried to portray the book and life in general via the yin and yang theory. And the next topic which I think is important to discuss is the title itself, A Thousand Years and the Sun. Its meaning, its relevance, and would it have been any different if there was a different title? So let's discuss. Husseini read a great deal of Persian poetry when he was a child. So he had this love for words and poetry since a very young age. So the title is actually a line from a poem by Saib Tabrizi where he describes passionately about Kabul and his love towards his motherland. And the paragraph goes like this. Every street of Kabul is enthralling to the eye. Through the bazaars, caravan of Egypt pass by. One could not count the moon that simmer on her roofs and the thousand splendid sun that hide behind her walls. So in this book, Husseini has symbolized woman with sun. As the sun is omnipresent, so are the woman characters in this book. They are always present. They are there 
when needed. How difficult the situation, they stick and they never let you down. And as the sun is always giving, always radiating energy, such are the women in the book. They have burned themselves to provide warmth to their loved ones. The first one is Mariam. Despite of being tortured, humiliated, mistreated, disrespected, she never failed to do her duty. Her duty as a daughter, her duty as a wife. She absorbed everything life and Rashid threw at her and responded him and life with a smile and care. She even sacrificed herself for the happiness of Layla and Aziza. Second is Layla. I think for her a scene just justifies her case. It was when Taliban had forbid to treat male and female in the same hospital and the hospital for women did not have the basic medical facilities and Layla had her labor broken. But the hospital has no anesthesia to give her and proceed with the operation. But without even thinking twice, she demanded to be cut open if that is what she had to do to bring her baby into the world. One could only imagine the pain she went through. She loved her son more than she loved herself. And the next one is Nana. For the entirety of Mariam's life, she thought her mother did not love her. But she realized how wrong she had been all her life when she was on the same shoe, on the same shoe of motherhood. She realized Nana's love was unconditional as she was fighting for her son, or let's say Layla's son, in the hospital. She realized how easily Nana could have thrown her into the ditch and lived her own life in her way. But she sacrificed her life to raise her daughter and let her dream. She fought with the world for her. As they say, it's better late than never. After this, all Mariam had was the respect of highest order for Nana. But it's a pity. Despite of all this, despite of being equal to the sun, they have had to be behind the walls. They are considered secondary or let's say not important at all. The wall is of Islam, the wall is of male dominance. The act of killing Rashid is the act of destroying that wall. Only after that Layla's radiance has been fully felt, we could see what she is capable of. That women can be important and they also have the right to be happy. Because in the end, happiness is all that matters. So before ending today's episode, First of all, I'd like to thank Khalid Husseini for writing this amazing novel. And I'd also like to thank him for quitting his medical practice and blessing us with his work. Secondly, a shout out to my club, What the Book Club, who always inspire and influence me to read books every day. And thanks to everyone who is listening. And until next time, goodbye.